Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to read the entire chapter together this morning, Proverbs 4. And this is a father's plea to his sons that they would embrace wisdom. Proverbs 4. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender, and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with the crown of beauty. Hear my son. And accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded, and if you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instruction. Do not let her go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. And do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they do evil. And they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Pray with me. Our Father, we thank you for what we have just heard. We thank you for a father's plea to his sons, to his children, that they would abandon the way of folly, the way of wickedness, the way of violence, and that they would embrace wisdom. And Father, we plea with you. We plead with you in behalf of our children that all of the children of this church body, that they would embrace wisdom, that they would turn away from the path of the wicked, that they would not enter that path, that they would not proceed in the way of evil men, that they would avoid it, that they would not even pass by it, that they would come to the place, O God, where they see the beauty, the glory, the value, the necessity of your wisdom, and that they would inquire wisdom, that they would gain understanding, that they would prize wisdom, embrace wisdom with all of their hearts. Father, we pray for our children, we pray for ourselves, that all of us would watch over our hearts, with all diligence, 
for from it flow the springs of life. We know that what you are most concerned about is not with the external, but with the heart. And that you see and know our hearts even now. And Father, as you look and peer into our souls, as you bring attention to sin in our lives, that now we would confess that, that we would turn from that, that you would apply the blood of Christ freshly to us and cleanse us once again of all unrighteousness. Father, root out any folly in us and increasingly make us wise. We thank you that you are the all-wise God and that Christ is wisdom from God and we embrace him fully and thank you for the privilege that we have to gather here this morning with your word before us. May your spirit take what he has inspired and make it powerful in our lives. Give us insight and understanding. May you give to us transforming grace. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Please take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, as we continue our study this morning on God's Word to children. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Let me read our text, and then we'll go into the exposition of the Word of God together. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. One of the greatest points of dissimilarity between the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and the world is with regard to children. Let me give you two examples. According to the world, children are a burden. But according to the Bible, children are always viewed as a blessing. We live in a culture in which it is common for people to view children as getting in the way of their careers, as spoiling their fun, and frankly, many parents simply can't wait to get their kids out of the house. To take it a step further, it is even common in our culture for children to be abused, to be neglected, to be abandoned, and tragically even to be murdered by their own parents. In fact, things are so bad in our culture that some would say that we are living in a post-Christian society. But as R.C. Sproul puts it, it is more accurate to say that we are living in a neo-barbarian society. And this is largely based upon the fact that we live in a nation in which it is actually legal to murder children. As hard as it is to imagine, our government, which should exist to protect innocent life, actually has made it lawful to take innocent life, which is inconceivable. Over the last few months, we have seen tremendous public outcry at the tragedy that has unfolded at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. It is a tragedy. We want to affirm that. It is a horrible tragedy. But to be blunt, much of this outcry is hypocrisy of the worst kind. And that is because the same people who decry the killing of children in a school promote the killing of children in the womb. The safest place in society, listen, beloved, is not to be a public school classroom. It is to be the womb of a mother. 
And this is something that our society in a major way fails to understand. By the way, the number of children who are killed by guns is very, very, very small compared to the number of children who are killed by doctors. Think about that. It is estimated that some 3,700 babies are aborted every single day in this country, and yet there is no media outcry. There is no governmental intervention because this is lawful behavior. It is sanctioned by the government. Again, I say to you, we are living in a neo-barbarian society. Now compare this with what the Bible says about children, in particular from the book of Job and from Jesus. Job 42.12 says, The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And one of the ways the Lord did this for Job is by giving to him ten more children in addition to the ten children he had lost in his time of suffering. Now, altogether, Job had 20 children. That's more than the Duggars. 20 children and counting. A new reality show. And these children, all of them, were viewed as a blessing of God upon the life of Job. And now consider Jesus. Do you realize that one of the rare occasions in which we read in the Gospels of the Lord Jesus Christ becoming angry was when his disciples tried to prevent children from coming to him? He became angry. The Bible says in Mark 10, but when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He was angry and said to them, that is the disciples, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. And he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. And so we learn from that powerful story that Jesus did not view children as getting in the way. He did not view them as an interruption. He did not view them as a burden, as an intrusion. Instead, he viewed them as a blessing. And he physically embraced them and took them in his arms and blessed them. Now, a second example of the dissimilarity between the church of Jesus Christ and the world with regard to children is this, the world focuses on the rights of children, whereas the Bible focuses on the responsibilities of children. Now, I would be very quick to say that it is good, it is right, it is noble for people and advocacy groups to promote the rights of children to be protected from neglect and from abuse, But oftentimes the push for children's rights in our modern times means something like this. Children should have the right to do whatever they want. They should have the right to express themselves in any way that they want. They should have the right to not be disciplined by their parents. They should have the right to not be under the authority of their parents. It's not, even, it's not too far-fetched to say that sometimes we read about children suing their parents. They should have the right to be irresponsible, to be disrespectful, to be disobedient, to be free to express the sinful desires of their heart in any way that they choose. Now, in great contrast to this, the Bible focuses on the responsibilities of children, which are what we have in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. As we noted last time, at this point in Paul's epistle to the Ephesian church, he directly addresses the children, beginning in verse 1. What is the first word? This is as far as we got last week. The first word is children. Children. So this passage is not about children, it is to children. And that is a monumental difference. And by virtue of the fact that Paul directly addresses the children of the Ephesian congregation, we noted last time that there are two very significant presuppositions about these children that Paul makes. Number one. The first presupposition is that these children are Christian children. 
They are Christian children. This is not all children, but very specifically Christian children. And we noted that they were Christian children not because their parents were Christians, but because they personally and individually had been converted to Christ by the grace of God. They had been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. They had repented of their sins. They had placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, they were Christian children. The second presupposition that we looked at is that these children are participants in corporate worship. Paul assumes that when the church gathered together for corporate worship, children were present. And we know this because when he wrote this letter and when it was to be read in the corporate gathering of the church, it was specifically addressed to children. They were there in the hearing of this letter when the church gathered So please note that Paul doesn't say, okay, parents, I want you to tell your children something. This is what I want you to say. He doesn't do that. He directly addresses the children, which means they were present and participating in the corporate worship of the church. Now, with that said, let me remind you that what we have in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 is the second example that Paul gives of relationships in the church that involve submission to authority. The first example is the submission of wives to their husbands, and that is in chapter 5. And now the second example is the submission of children to their parents, and that is here again in Ephesians 6. And the pattern that Paul follows in this text is that he begins by addressing those who are under authority namely wives, namely children, and then slaves. And then he follows that by addressing those who are in authority, namely husbands, namely parents, and namely masters. And so Paul begins here in Ephesians 6 by addressing the children, and again he addresses them directly rather than giving them a message through their parents. And so in a unique and wonderful way, This message is for children. So all of the children, this is a special message to you. This is God's word to children. So pay particular attention to the message this morning. This is a picture of what spirit-filled children look like. And we are going to see three principles of spirit-filled children. All of these are listed in the bulletin for you. So the first principle of spirit-filled children is Roman numeral one, the responsibility of obedience. The responsibility of obedience. Again, verse one, direct your attention there, children. Now, let me just add a little something that I didn't say last time. When Paul says children, we want to consider for a moment what age children he has in mind. The Greek word that Paul uses, technon, it does not in and of itself identify the precise age of these children. But based upon the context, based upon the things that Paul says here in this text, we would say that these children were certainly not infants. They were certainly not toddlers because they would have to be old enough to intellectually understand the gospel to be saved and they would have to be old enough to understand Paul's letter as it was read to them. So these are not children of the smallest kind who lack understanding. So they're older than that. Further, we would say that the age of these children would extend to however old they would be so long as they lived under the authority of their parents in the home. And the specific responsibility that these children have is given in the next phrase. Obey your parents. The word obey is a fascinating word. It is a compound word. It literally means to listen under. And the idea is that by God's good design, by his wise design, that children are under the authority of their parents. And they express their submission to their parents in a wonderful way, by listening to them with the intent of following their instruction. So the idea, beloved, is to get under and listen with the goal of obeying the parents' instructions. 
And please notice, children, would you, that you are to obey both of your parents, your mom and your dad, not just the parent that spanks the hardest. You are to obey both your mother and your father. So children, you are under the authority of both your father and your mother. God has placed them over you, and you are to obey them both. You are to obey them both. Now let's develop the idea of obedience to parents a little further. And children, you should write down what I'm about to say or have your parents help you write this down. We're going to define what obedience to parents really is. Here's a definition. To obey your parents, and I'll repeat this, to obey your parents is to do what they say without delay, without arguing, without excuses, and with a happy heart. That is a wonderful definition. Every parent should be gloating right now, smiling, beaming. I love that definition. To obey your parents is to do what they say without delay, without arguing, without excuses, and with a happy heart. If your parents have to tell you more than once to do something before you do it, you're disobeying. I remember something I learned from one of my favorite musicians, Steve Green. He said this many years ago, slow obedience is no obedience. It rhymes and it's true. Slow obedience is no obedience. And even if you do what they say right away, but you aren't happy about it and you grumble about it, you complain about it, that is disobedience. Let me give you another phrase. It doesn't rhyme, but it's true. Unhappy obedience is no obedience. If you do it kicking and screaming in your heart, with resistance in your heart, you don't want to do it, that is not the essence of obedience. The word obey in Ephesians 6.1 is a command, which means this is something, children, that you have to do. You have to do this. This is your responsibility. It is your duty. And it is a present tense command, which means that this is what you have to do all the time. Not just during the week, not every other day, not just when you feel like it, but you are to always obey your parents. So you can't say, you know, I have obeyed my parents for the last five days in a row. Now I get a break. Now I can disobey my parents. Or I have obeyed my parents ten times in a row in one day, and so now I've earned a break, and I'm free to disobey. No, God's word is that you obey all the time as a way of life. Listen to the parallel passage that Paul writes in Colossians 3.20. Children, be obedient to your parents, listen to this, in all things. In all things, that is comprehensive. So you are to obey your parents at all times. You don't get a day off. You don't get an hour off. You don't get a vacation from this. And you are to obey them in all things. And the only time that you can ever disobey your parents is if your parents ever tell you to sin. If they ever tell you to sin, at that time, you must disobey them And thus obey God. Listen to what one writer says, James Boyce. A child, while he is a child, owes obedience to a parent in all areas except those that contradict the revealed law of God. And so again, children, obey your parents at all times and all things unless they tell you to do something that would be disobedience to the law of God. And so if your parents say something like this, you cannot read your Bible. You must not pray, you must not go to church, you can't worship God, then how do you respond? At that point, you would then disobey your parents because they are telling you to do something that would be sinful. But if your parents say something like this, and we say this a lot in our house, clean your room, do your work, put up your bikes, 
brush your teeth, change your clothes, take a bath, etc., etc., etc. When your parents say things like that, then you must obey your parents without delay, without arguing, without excuses, and with a happy heart. With a happy heart. Now, children, there are a few things you need to know about your parents. And so I want you to listen very carefully to these things. I have four things I want to share with you about your parents. Number one, the most important relationship that you have, apart from your relationship with God, is your relationship with your parents. Your relationship with your parents is far more than your relationship to even your friends or to anyone else. It's your relationship with your parents that is first under God. Number two, it is no accident that you have the parents that you have. God didn't make a mistake when he gave the parents that you have to you. They are your parents. God has sovereignly chosen to give that mom and that dad to you, and so you should thank God for the mom that you have and for the dad that you have because they are God's gift to you. Thirdly, very important to note this, you are not smarter than your parents. You're not smarter than your parents. I was a kid once, and listen, I used to think I was smarter than my parents, and boy, was I wrong. Your parents are older than you. They are more experienced at life than you are. They are wiser than you. And listen to this, they love you more than anyone else in the world loves you. They love you tremendously. And therefore, the things they tell you, you are to do because they are for your good. They are coming from people who are wiser than you, smarter than you, and who love you more than anyone else loves you other than God. And fourthly, you need to know this, because your parents love you so much, children, listen carefully, when you disobey your parents, you cause them pain. You bring tremendous grief to the heart of your mom and dad when you disobey them because they love you so deeply. And because they love you so much, you have the power to break their heart when you disobey them. So children, can you say that your desire is to obey your parents? Can you say that when you don't disobey your parents that you are sad and that you are grieved over your failure to disobey your parents? And this is significant because a real sign or a sign of being a real Christian, I should say, for children is that they obey their parents. You show me a saved child and I will show you a child who obeys his or her parents. And when they fail to, because they don't perfectly obey, they feel sad. Now, let's see what the Bible says about children who disobey their parents. And so look with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 1. I want to look at a couple of verses that talk about children who disobey their parents. And these are really frightening things that we read, Romans 1.30. You may remember that in this chapter, it's talking about the judgment of God upon a people that reject him. This is the wrath of God revealed in three phases. Three times it talks about how God handed them over, and each time it gets worse. The judgment of God upon the world becomes worse. The first is that God hands people over to immorality. The second is that God hands them over to homosexuality, as we've seen recently. And then the third and final handing over is in verse 28, when God hands them over to a depraved mind. And that is when they're no longer able to think in a way that is righteous or good or noble. They can't conceive of wisdom in their thinking and in their living. And then notice what Paul does after he states this third expression of the wrath of God, handing them over to a depraved mind, he says to do those things which are not proper. So when the mind doesn't work, that affects the behavior, doesn't it? 
So the behavior is moved by the mind. It is moved by the heart. And then notice how he describes the deviant, depraved behavior of those who have been given over by God. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. Notice the next one. Disobedient to parents. That is in the same category as murder, haters of God, evil, strife, deceit. So what does God say about disobedience to parents in Romans 1? It it is the evidence of people who have been handed over. It is the mark of a child that does not love God, that does not know God. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we have another example where Paul talks about the disobedience of children. And it is also very powerful, very strong. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 2. And here is where Paul is talking about in the last days, which defines the age in which we live. We have been living in the last days ever since the second coming of Christ. And he says in 2 Timothy 3.1, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, etc., etc., etc. And so disobedience to parents is a sign of a child that does not know Christ, of a child that is not a Christian. In the language of Proverbs, a disobedient child is a foolish child. Folly is bound in the heart of a child. A child is born foolish. We're all born that way. But at some point, if we are to come to know Christ, we leave folly and we embrace wisdom. We become wise people. So the mark of a disobedient child, again, is the mark of a foolish child. And you may not know this, but it's important to tell you that under the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, do you realize, children, that children who disobeyed their parents were to be stoned to death? This is mentioned about four times or so in the Old Testament. What a strong call of God to respond to the disobedience of children. It doesn't mean that if they just disobeyed here and there and they struggled, but we're talking about a child who consistently disobeyed and lived in rebellion against his or her parents. Also, do you realize that one of the reasons that God sent Judah into Babylonian captivity was due to a failure on the part of children to honor their parents? It says that in Ezekiel 22.7. And so that indicates to us very strongly that disobedience to parents is a very serious thing. It is a great sin against God. It is not something to be trifled with. It is not something to make fun of. It is not funny. It is not silly. It is not something to be celebrated in any way. It is a great sin against God. Now, let me say two things to parents in light of these things. Number one, don't be casual or tolerant when your children are disobedient or disrespectful. Don't tolerate that. Don't be tolerant of that. If you... If you do not, or if you tolerate their disobedience, listen to this. Why should they take it seriously? If you don't take it seriously, why should they take it seriously? A second thing to parents, be united in your parenting. Be united in your child training. If you and if your husband and wife, mom and dad are not on the same page in terms of how they parent, in terms of their goals for children, in terms of discipline and expectations, the children will be able to notice this and they will take full advantage. And so parents be on the same page. The way it should be in your home is that if the children disobey mom, they disobey dad. If they disobey dad, they disobey mom because mom and dad are on the same page. Sometimes the children might ask mom for something. She says no, and guess where they go? To dad, or vice versa. Well, if mom says no, dad says no. If dad says no, mom says no. We're on the same page. Well, the second principle of spirit-filled children 
is Roman numeral 2, the motivation of obedience. It's found in verse 1 in the phrase, in the Lord. And it's a beautiful expression. And so children, how are you to obey your parents? In the Lord. What does that mean? Well, for the Christian child, part of what it means to be a disciple of Christ and to love Christ and to follow Christ, it means to obey your parents. If you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, the way you follow Christ is by obeying your parents. And so when you obey your parents, listen, it is not ultimately to them that you are obeying. It is ultimately to the Lord that you are obeying. It is an act of of worship on your part to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is your Savior, who is your God, and you render your worship to him in obedience to your parents. This honors Christ, this pleases Christ, and this means that you are to obey your parents even when they're not watching, even when they're not around, even when they're not awake. And that is because the Lord is always watching. He always sees everything that you do. We tell our children often, You may be able to get away with something from our eyes, but the Lord always sees everything that you do. You can't trick the Lord. You can't fool the Lord. So listen, children, if you disobey your parents, then you're disobeying Christ. You're not only disobeying your parents. You're disobeying Christ, which is something that you should never, ever want to do. And then Paul says, for this is right. He's giving further motivation for obedience. Why are you to obey your parents? Well, because this is right, Paul says. To obey your parents is what God says is right. And God is the one who gets to determine what is right and what is wrong. And according to God, he says it is right for you to obey your parents. Well, thirdly, we have the support for obedience in verses 2 and 3. In verse 2, Paul writes, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. Now, what Paul does here is he's quoting from the Old Testament. Specifically, he's quoting from the Ten Commandments. Even more specifically, he's quoting the Fifth Commandment from Exodus 20 and verse 12. And the reason that he does that here is to show that what he is teaching about children's responsibility to their parents is rooted in the Old Testament. It is supported by the Old Testament. In other words, throughout all of redemptive history, it has been the will of God for children to honor their parents. This is not a new thing. This is the way it has always been with children and parents. Now, you'll note the word honor at the beginning of verse 2. It means to respect You are to respect your parents. It means to esteem. You are to esteem your parents. And again, both of your parents are in view. You are to respect both your mother and your father, not just one of them. And like the word obey in verse 1, the word honor is a present tense command. So we have two commands, obey and then honor. That is to say this is your duty, your spiritual duty before God to honor your parents, and do this at all times as a way of life. Now, Jim Elif has written an article called Guidelines for Children. And in the article, he gives several rules, in fact, six rules for children that they are to follow. And one of the rules is this. It is about showing respect for your parents and for other adults. And I want to read to you the examples that he gives about what it means to disrespect your parents and other adults. And there are 500 of them here. That's a joke. 16. 16. Number one, a first example of what it means to disrespect parents and adults, knowingly disobeying. Knowingly disobeying. Number two, Making fun of them, making fun of your parents by rolling your eyes, mocking them. Number three, not speaking when they greet you, ignoring them when they speak you. That is disrespect. Number four, making threatening statements, rude statements, hurtful statements. 
Number five, yelling for them to come to you when it is not an emergency. Dad, Dad, come help me find a Lego, and he's screaming across the house, something like that. Number six, grumbling about decisions they make. You don't like the decision they make, and so you grumble, you fuss, you complain. Number seven, being ungrateful for something they do for you or give you. Number eight, complaining about what they have given you to eat. And boy, that's a big one. We're having that for dinner? That's yucky. I'm not eating that. Number nine, talking back to your parents. This is when your parents tell you something and you answer back with anything other than yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, or possibly asking, may I explain something? You respectfully ask, can I explain It includes talking back, objecting, mocking, correcting, questioning your parents. Number 10, speaking in an irreverent way or speaking in anger to your parents. Number 11, saying to your parent or an adult, I'll do it in a minute or just wait. Remember the slow obedience thing? Slow obedience is no obedience. Number 12, pushing for something after being told no. And so you tell the child to do something, and they, they, they don't want to do it, and so they're pushing to get their way. Number 13, treating a discipline lightly. Number 14, not listening when you are being spoken to. When your name is called, you should always say yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, and then listen for instructions. Number 15, entering into a closed room of of an adult without knocking or quietly asking. That is very important, right? Don't just walk into a room where there is an adult and the door is closed without knocking. Don't barge in. And then number 16, and lastly on the list that Elif gives to us, sighing, shrugging the shoulders, or giving a sour look when told to do something. Now, that's only 16. You could go further, but 16 is a lot. So, children, which ones do you need to work on? What areas are you feeling convicted in terms of disrespect to parents? Children, I would exhort you to seek the Lord. Ask him to help you to do these things because you will never, ever be able to do them on your own strength. You can't do it. Now, I want you to notice, back to the text of Ephesians 6, I want you to notice that right in the middle of quoting from the Old Testament, Paul adds some commentary to the fifth commandment. It's in parentheses in the New American Standard, indicating that it's Paul's commentary. He says, which is the first commandment with a promise? Now, in the commentaries, there is a lot of discussion about what Paul means by calling this the first commandment with a promise. In what sense is this the first commandment with a promise? Well, I'm not going to give you all the possibilities, but it seems that what Paul is saying is that this is the first promise in the law, the first commandment with the promise in the law. This is the first commandment in the law with the promise. That's how I see this in terms of what Paul is saying. But what is certain and what really is the major point is the fact that God has attached a promise to this commandment. And the promise is for children, and it is stated here in verse 3, look at the promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That is a wonderful promise from God to Christian children who obey their parents. This is further motivation for children to obey their children, or to obey their parents, I should say, at all times and in all ways. Now, you'll notice the promise for obeying the commandment to honor your parents is twofold. It's a promise about the quality of life and also the quantity of life. In other words, the promise to children who honor their parents is that God will prosper you by giving you a good life and by giving you a long life. A good, well, long life. Now, we have to add here that this promise must be viewed as a general principle, like the book of Proverbs, because there are exceptions to this. This is not an inflexible law. 
That is to say, there are definite exceptions to this promise. There are children who do, in fact, obey their parents. There are saved children who obey their parents, the way Paul is prescribing here, who experience suffering and who may die young. And so there could be exceptions to this. So this is a general, broad principle. In fact, as I was thinking about this, I thought about two of the most godly people, if I can say it this way in the Bible, who died young. John the Baptist, who died as a young man who suffered a lot, and he died young. And then most significantly, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died at the age of 33, which is very young. And he died at that age in spite of the fact that he perfectly obeyed his mother. He perfectly obeyed his parents. And yet he's an exception here in unique ways, obviously. But as a general rule, children who obey and honor their parents will be rewarded by God with a life that is well, a life that is good, a life that is prosperous, and a life that is long. Long life is a blessing from God. So children, it is your responsibility to obey your parents, to obey your mother and your father, and when you do, the Lord will reward you. That is what the sacred text of God's word says. Now, the command to honor your parents doesn't go away when you grow up. It simply becomes different. When you become an adult, you no longer have to obey your parents. You're no longer under their authority, no longer living under their roof. But you still, even as an adult, must honor your parents. And this is applicable to all of us, whether you are children or adults. And we know this because in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and the scribes who were failing to honor their parents by supporting them financially. And he rebuked them in a very strong way. He told them that they invalidated the word of God for the sake of their tradition, which was a a, a terrible thing to do. And again, the specific way they failed to honor their parents was that they failed to financially help their parents. That is part of what it means. That is part of what it looks like to honor your mom and dad once you become an adult. The way it works is that when you're young, your parents take care of you. And then when you become an adult and your parents become old, you take care of them. Right? That's the cycle. That's the beautiful pattern that God has established between children and their parents. And do you know who is a great example of this? Someone who honored his parents or his mother when he was an adult? The Lord Jesus Christ. When he was hanging upon the cross, when he was dying, he made sure that the apostle John took Jesus' mother under his care. He took care of his own mother. He honored her by providing for her through the Apostle John. That is a beautiful example of what it looks like to honor your mother and father even when you are an adult. And so children, your parents invest everything they have in you. Everything. Their money, their time, their energy, their heart and soul, their prayers... Think about, I know this may sound funny, but it's so important to say, think about how many times, children, your parents changed your diaper. Think about how many times they bathed you. Think about how many times they clothed you and fed you and educated you and trained you and supported you and helped you in every way that you needed. And so let me say it this way. You owe to your parents obedience. Obedience without arguing, without excuses, without complaining, without delaying, and with a happy heart. Now, I want to conclude with a quote from the Puritan Richard Baxter. This is on the bottom of your notes page. It is a very powerful quote. It is a charge to children. And here's what he says to children. Be sure that you dearly love your parents. Delight to be in their company. 
Be not like those unnatural children that love the company of their idle playfellows better than their parents, and had rather be abroad about their sports than in their parents' sight. Remember that you have your being from them, and come out of their loins. Remember what sorrow you have cost them, and what care they are at for your education and provision. And remember how tenderly they have loved you, and how much your happiness will make them glad. Remember what love you owe them both by nature and injustice. For all their love to you, and all that they have done for you, they take your happiness or misery to be one of the greatest parts of the happiness or misery of their own lives. That is a tremendous statement. So children, may the Lord help you to obey your parents and to honor them as a way of life. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this very unique section in Paul's letter and really in all the Bible in which we find a specific address to children. We, we thank you for this. We thank you for providing children, for the gift of children. We thank you for the gift of families and for parents. And we thank you for your beautiful design. We thank you for the authority that you've given to parents. And we thank you for your pattern that children are to obey their parents. And that as Christian children, they are to do this in a way that ultimately is obedient to you. We thank you for the privilege we have once we become adults to continue to honor our parents in ways that are different than when we were children. It is a privilege to be able to care for our parents when they need that. And I pray that you would continue that beautiful cycle in this church body and in these families for years and decades to come. We thank you most of all for the Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who is the one who saves us by his blood and by his righteousness. And I pray for every single child here, a part of this church family, that every single one of them would come to know you, that you would shed your saving grace upon every one of them, O God, that you would draw them to yourselves, that you would show them their need for a Savior, show them their sin, the ugliness of their sin, and the, the beauty of your grace. We thank you for this Lord's Day. Thank you that Christ has risen from the dead and that he is seated at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning over the universe. And one day he will return to establish his kingdom. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.